and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I'm Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening, David. Yeah. How you doing? Uh, always happy, uh, always in a good mood when I get to hang out with you. Um, and that's what we're doing. We're just hanging out. Uh, um, this is uh, less of a... We've done enough of these, I think, since you've been hospitalized that um now this is just kind of a regular episode you know what i mean like it weren't we weren't we just needed an episode this week and i was like well i'm going to see tyler how about i give scott the week off and we just do an episode so we came up with a topic which is sort of well we'll get to because we have top of show stuff as well that i wanted to talk about um but i guess tell the listeners how you're doing uh, I'm doing okay. Um, I'm making a little bit of progress. Um, I'm, I have movement in my left pec, uh, and I'm, uh, I'm starting to get movement in my right shoulder, uh, plus I'm able to, uh, eat actual food now, so I've had, uh, I've had pizza, I've had steak, I've, I've had, I had a hamburger today, um, it's, it, that, that's been pretty great, um, I've been seeing my my little boys uh, once a week, and you know that's it's wonderful and heartbreaking. It's it's uh, it's tough when one of them says, uh, "Daddy, come home," because obviously I can't, um, and that's a bummer. But uh, but yeah, for the most part, I'm I'm doing okay. That's good. I had the um, the. Uh Shoulder was news to me. You didn't. I didn't know that you could move your right shoulder. That's that's pretty great. Yeah, I did um, sit here while you were eating chips uh, today, and that was um, after so long of you only eating like either through a tube or drinking things uh, to actually hear you crunch on something was uh, weirdly heartwarming. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I will say that uh, yesterday they actually took out my G tube, so now the only way that I can get. Uh, nourishment is uh, through food and drink, and uh, and so now that I'm eating actual food, my uh, my food issues have uh, have reared their head again. And uh, watching the staff grapple with the fact that I only wanted ketchup and mustard on my hamburger, uh, among other things, um, has been it's been a nice return to normalcy for me. All the goodwill you built up with the staff is 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 fading away. <laughs> uh, not necessarily. I but I do uh, I do feel like I'm. So the the cook came into my room the other day, uh, and Jen was here, and the cook was was like having me look at the menu and say like, oh, I don't want that, or I want this instead. And Jen said, does this uh, do you do this? Ask the cook, do you do this a lot? And, or, or she said, I'm, I'm sure this happens a lot. And the cook said, this never happens. <laughs> so, you know, I'm making my mark. <laughs> oh, I'm tickled by that. <laughs> um, well, uh, yeah, I, I guess we, this is, a, like I said, this is just like a regular episode. So we have to start with the top of show topic, which I don't think you and I have done before. And I had one in mind. Uh, but then, um, Lance Reddick died. That, that happened to earlier today. 
um or at least that's when we uh learned about it and uh i was there you know i mean there are actors that you i think you know mean a lot to you and then there's sometimes something like lance reddick dies and i'm surprised myself by how sad it made me and 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 the connection that i sort of formed to him as an actor over the years i don't know what, what were your thoughts when i told you that lance reddick died today well, when you told me that he was, what, only 60, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I feel like that made me sad for sure. Um, but also, yeah, uh, you know, I think you have a more of a connection to him than I do because I never watched Fringe. But, uh, but yeah, like, I mean, I think of stuff like The Wire and, and uh, Oz, and he was on Lost for a little while, and... Uh, he was in uh, The Guest, I believe, and a few other movies. He was in a movie that I think was called Bad City with Austin Pendleton that was a very, a, a tiny movie, but it was really good, and he was good, and he was a very reliable actor. Like, you always knew what you were getting with him, and I'd say that in a good way. And, yeah, it's just, he was just one of those actors that, I hate to say, you, you don't really think about it until you see him, and then when you see him, you're like, okay, well, at least I know this part of the movie or show is going to be good, and, uh, and yeah, we don't know what he died from, and, and, uh, but it is sad. It's, it's tragic that he died so young. Yeah, um, yeah, you mentioned Fringe. I obviously was a big Fringe fan and had that connection to him, but I also have a connection to him because of the John Wick franchise, which I'm a huge fan of, and, and he's in, in all of those, and, and plays, uh, a larger role, especially in John Wick, uh, John Wick Three, um, but uh, yeah, there's something about his carriage and his voice that is so—I don't know. Maybe it's because of the role he played on Fringe that he's—I've I, I, said before about TV shows that almost every TV show ever made is essentially about family in some way or you know, the real family or a, a formed family and on fringe he was kind of the the dad you know i mean uh 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 walter i might draw the blank on the name you know the guy um, <laughs> you met him at blockbuster he was in lord of the rings oh, oh john noble john noble he's the kooky uncle or the kooky granddad or whatever but lance reddick was kind of like the one who the adult, the one who like knew what was going on, you know, and I've, I, I feel like there's something very comforting. You mentioned like, oh, this movie is going to be good, but I also felt like his presence was always very comforting to me. A uh, quick side question. How many seasons were there of Fringe? I want to say five off the top of my head. Hell yeah. All right. That answers one of my questions. <laughs> so, uh, David and I were having a conversation earlier. Um, you know, when you're in my position, uh, you you're you've got a lot of time on your hands, and uh, I've been watching a lot of TV because TV, you know, you can binge and burn through really quick. And I've been trying to think of what TV show to watch next because I just watched uh, the first season of uh, Perry Mason, and um, and so yeah, Fringe. I forgot about Fringe, and that'll eat up some time. I like that. And I'll get to, I'll get to know uh, Lance Reddick uh, a lot more as a result, which is nice. And also, uh, I can't remember. You were a Mindhunter fan, or no? Yes. Oh yes, I really enjoyed that. So Anna Torv from Mindhunter. That's you know where I learned who she was. She's essentially the lead of Fringe. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think she's 
I think I think she was in The Last of Us as well for a short time. I might be thinking of uh, of somebody else, but yeah, um, but yeah, uh, uh, R.I.P. Lance Reddick. Very very sad. Um, I'm still happy to do the other uh, top of the show topic if you want. I'm curious about what what you wanted to talk about. Oh, it was something that I'd actually brought up just conversationally to you last time I was here, but I was thinking about it more how I want to talk about All Quiet on the Western Front, especially now that we've both seen it. But not not very much about the movie. What I wanted to talk about was just the idea that how... When a movie, generally, when it comes to award season, and a movie is only getting attention from industry, sorry to like paint with a broad brush, it usually means that's probably a crappy movie <laughs> you know or, or it just it just hits some certain buttons and people are voting for it because they think it is, fulfills certain things they probably haven't even seen it these are all speculations of my point my part so when i after the oscar came out oscar nominations came out and it was like had a million oscar nominations <laughs> or whatever um i was like well i guess i have to watch it and i watched it expecting something very bad very cheesy very quote-unquote oscar baity and I'm not saying All Quiet on the Western Front is a great movie, but it's a good movie. And I'm just wondering, how does something like this fly under the radar of the critical and film, like, cinephile community? And how is the industry pointing something out to us that we were all ignoring? Um, I'm not sure. Do you, do you know what kind of Oscar campaign it had? Like, uh, did it send out screener? No, I mean, it's on Netflix, so of course, for, for a lot of critics, that'd be superfluous. But uh, but do you know if they sent out screeners? And if so, do you know when? I don't remember what Netflix sent out in terms of just regular screeners this year. I, I, I don't remember. Um, but they also, you know, a lot of the... Um, a lot of the voters of Os- the Oscars live in the Los Angeles area, and I know Netflix does a lot of screenings of their stuff, and their screenings often have, like, Q&As, or sometimes there's food. I've said before that, like, the streamers always go all out for, for your consideration, for TV, too. Like, for some reason, like, they spend, like, crazy. Um, but so uh, it, it could have just been that there was, like, a lot of screenings and they were able to go to them i know there was one at the soho house which means free wine and cheese and stuff like that so i I mean yeah maybe they were just pitching it to the right people in in los angeles i don't know you know as long as we're wildly speculating let me throw this out there um so when i threw it on uh here on on my on my tv the default setting was the dubbed setting my mom told me that too. I think that's just a Netflix thing. Right, but I do wonder if just the fact that it exists at all, I wonder if critics like view the whole thing as just like less than kosher because of because it has a dubbed version and that that's the version that everyone's going to see. I wonder if critics didn't want to reward that. Okay, that's interesting. Because I was trying to think, I don't have, normally I do the phone, or do the phone, I do the podcast with my phone in my hand so I can look stuff up, and my phone is dead, or, or charging on the other side of the room. So I'm trying to remember what the, um, was this a festival, I'm trying to think, I feel like it played TIFF, but I don't remember. I feel like I'm looking that up now. 
You, yeah, you you would be the one to know that. I I I rarely follow that kind of thing. But often that's how a movie gets like championed by critics. Those are the people to see it first. Yeah, that's true. Um, not not that critics are always right, by the way. Like critics often champion movies, festivals that turn out to go nowhere once more people see them. Um, yeah, it premiered at Toronto. But I guess that that and Zurich are the only two festivals it played. So, yeah, I think there's something to what you're saying. Maybe not specifically about the dub thing, but about the Netflix thing. That I think yeah. this wasn't. I don't. I don't know, but I'm speculating that this was not a Netflix acquisition. That Netflix was in some way funding this, um, or at least by the time it made hit festivals, Netflix already had it, and so maybe critics weren't treating it and maybe i'm guilty of this too it wasn't on my i would i went to tiff it wasn't on my radar so maybe we were like treating it as not a real movie because it was already a netflix movie just having a little like perfunctory festival premiere yeah you know what i actually had that thought that like critics might be instinctively suspicious of netflix but then i thought of power of the dog but then I thought, well, yeah, but that's Jane Campion, that's Benedict Cumberbatch, that's Kirsten Dunst. Like, that's a much higher profile movie just based on the the pedigree. Um, and if you look at any of the Netflix movies that have gotten that kind of play, it's Martin Scorsese, it's Noah Baumbach, it's, yeah, like you said, uh, Jane Campion. We don't know Edward Berger. Yeah, and so I, I think there's probably a lot of factors at play, but, but you're right, it's a movie like you know, kind of snuck up on people and then the Oscars, the Oscar nominations come on and you're like, what the hell? I wasn't expecting this. And the BAFTAs too, it it, it, it cleaned up to, at the BAFTAs. Well, uh, okay, I think we got to the bottom of it. We actually have an answer. This yeah. is, that's how Battleship Pretension does. We ask questions, we give concrete answers, and we move on. That is how Battleship Pretension works. Speaking of moving on, I want to move on to talking about tweakedaudio.com. Tweakedaudio.com is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great and sound great. I use them each and every day. Tyler will someday get back to using them each and every day. But when you've got your own private room, you don't need to use use, use uh earbuds uh today i was using them to listen to the new album by a band called remote viewing the album is called modern addictions um and it's an i'm calling it an album because that's how it's listed on spotify it's six minutes or six minutes six songs just over 30 minutes so i feel like that's like that could be an ep but also i mean i think a few years ago, Tiana Taylor put out an album that was like 28 minutes. So I think it's just that's how you list these things or or whatever. Uh, so anyway, let's call it an album. That's how it is on Spotify. It's uh, it's really good. I uh, I know I'm familiar with this band, Remote Viewing, and I think this is their best uh, work yet. So uh, sounded great at my tweakedaudio.com earbuds. They're available at a low, low price at tweakedaudio.com. But if you use the offer code pretension at checkout you get one third off that low low price and no shipping charges so please go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension hi there it's julia louis dreyfus you may know me from my podcast called wiser than me where i talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life i was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older which is why i'm here to talk about season two of the show Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. 
Wiser Than Me Season 2 is out now from Lemonada Media. Tyler, we're back. We're back. And uh, we were just talking about the Oscars, so why don't we just keep the ball rolling? Normally, the Oscar, the actual, like, Oscar post-show wrap-up is the end of our sort of, like, look back at the previous year. But you weren't on that episode. Scott and Julie did that episode. So now we're going to extend that another week and get uh, your take on the Oscar telecast, because you watched it here in this room. Um, and I'll also, I guess, weigh in on what, what – because I didn't watch the show, but I, uh, I'll weigh in on what, what won and what lost and, and stuff like that. So um, I guess take it away. What are your first general thoughts on this year's Oscars? My first thoughts on this year's Oscars – wind up being sorry i like that you restated the question like you're in a confessional on a reality tv show <laughs> that's how i've been interviewed enough to know that that's how it works but yeah my my first thoughts about this year's oscars are probably more general thoughts about the oscars um it's hard to explain especially to you because you you don't watch them but and maybe it's just Maybe it's just a difference in me as a viewer or whatever, but it does feel like in the last few years, the Oscars are becoming less and less of a thing, and and more they seem more more niche, um, and they just seem like a like a smaller event, and like they matter less, like. I don't know, just and and when you watch the ceremony itself, it just seems like a quaint, you know, intimate affair as opposed to like the event of the year as far as movies go. Um, and I know that viewership is down, but just because viewership is down, that doesn't mean that the majesty of the event has to go down, but I think it has. Um, and it just seems like such a forgettable thing like i mean i'm i'm always excited when a certain person wins an oscar or something like that because they they'll always have that but i think it doesn't mean what it used to yeah um i i think that's just following the fact that movies don't mean what they used to to most people they obviously do to me and you in fact i say movies i think movies mean more to me now than they ever have um but uh yeah the 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 um i remember uh like overhearing like on the bus in 2006 like overhearing people talk about like crash and brokeback mountain Mm -hmm. and like now it it does feel like it's a like you said a niche it's a it's a little like special interest (laughs) group yeah and i i just because of what they've meant to me in the past, I, I find that a little sad um, because, you know, there there was a time. I agree with you. I think movies just aren't that big of a deal anymore. I mean, as, you know, uh, as, as conservatives have pointed out constantly to my own chagrin, uh, they just talk about like, oh, the Oscars, they don't nominate what other, what, what people have seen. Well, that's not true, obviously. This year you had Avatar, you had Top Gun. But I do think that there's there there's a rift between what people have seen and what the Oscars nominate. And I think 
everyone's to blame for that, not just the Oscars. I think audiences don't see what they used to see. There was a time, I've said this before, there was a time when Rain Man was the number one movie of that year. And Kramer versus Kramer, for God's sake. But even before that, like, you know, Lawrence of Arabia and Ben-Hur, like these giant movies, you know, they were all spectacle, but they're also really, they're also just really great on their own, and and people went to see them, and, and these days, you know, I don't, I mean, I know that uh, everything everywhere all at once was relatively popular, but, you know, compared to stuff like Top Gun, like, you know, um, it's not even close, and and also not even close was the idea of Top, Top Gun winning Best Picture. Like, no one thought that was going to happen, and sure enough, it didn't. Um, and even the Oscars, like, rallying around one movie, like, like everything ever all at once won seven Oscars. Like, that's the most a movie has won in years, I think. I think probably since, like, Slumdog Millionaire or something. Wow. And I might be wrong about that, but I think that's, I think that's the last one to, like, really, like, really sweep them. Um, and so it really does just seem like the Oscars and just people's relationship to them and then what the, what the, the ceremony does itself, like, it really doesn't... It doesn't really seem to champion, like, one big, like, the big movie that everyone saw, the the Forrest Gump, the Braveheart, the Titanic, it really doesn't seem to do that anymore. Um, because those movies don't exist anymore. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, I do think that uh, the, the change in what the Oscars are, like, I think you're right. I think it could just be a shift in, in, what, in what movies are. And I think movies probably due to TV and and due to streaming I think movies have diminished a little bit in the in the larger consciousness and uh yeah and that it bums me out on a, on a larger sense but yeah I mean I remember you know when I was younger whatever job I was working I always asked for Oscar Sunday off because like that was a big deal to me. I told people like this is you know this is my Super Bowl and all that kind of thing. And now like, I mean the probably the last few years I've thought like, eh, maybe David's right. Maybe I just shouldn't watch him and I and I just don't care. Um, and the idea that I even contemplated uh, missing it like really speaks to like how frankly inconsequential the Oscars kind of are in, in larger culture, you know, unless, unless, of course, the wrong name is read or someone gets slapped. Um, but beyond that, like, yeah, the, the event itself is kind of a non-event. Um, yeah, I want, I want to point out, like, you you say that I don't watch the Oscars, but I don't, but this is only the second year that I haven't watched it. I just haven't done the podcast about it for a long, long time. But I've been willing, I've been ready to give up watching the Oscars for a long time. It was really just like Natalie still liked it. Mm. And then I think that uh, bullshit uh, Union Station <laughs> pandemic one <laughs> that ended with the most anticlimactic <laughs> ending of any Oscars ever really like broke the spell for her too. And so now 
we just go to bar trivia and like the Oscars are on like at the on on mute. So I did kind of like see like oh Sarah Polly won, oh Brendan Fraser won. I, I like I saw that, but I wasn't really watching the Oscars. And also there hasn't been like at least last year, <laughs> like. Not that I'm saying Will Smith cl- slapping Chris Rock was a good thing, but at least like there was something I was like, oh, when I get home, I have to watch a clip of that. Yeah. No, I don't think there was anything this year's Oscars that I was like, oh, this sounds like something I want to watch. I've, I heard Sp- Sarah Polly's speech was good. A lot of people said that. I don't really, uh, I didn't, I didn't watch it. Um, so I guess that that uh, gives us reason to move into more specifics about this year's uh, telecast, but also this year's winners and, and losers. <laughs> fucking losers <laughs> well uh, before we do that I do want to ask you and, and, and I'm not trying to put you on the spot I'm genuinely asking because I think you told me a while ago but I forgot like what what made you want to stop recording about the Oscars uh, I like I mean I wasn't having fun doing it mm. um, and Maybe if back then we had been doing Zoom, I would have been more willing to do it. But, like, the idea of, like, watching the Oscars, then getting in my car and going to your house and recording, I was like, this isn't this isn't worth it to me. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. And admittedly, like, the, the, the episode itself, like, for the last few years, it's been me and Jason and Ian. And, you know, it was mostly just the three of us, like, entertaining ourselves while we talked about this thing like it, it just it it seemed like a ca- you know what it was it became a casual episode and not like a, a big deal you know and the, the 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 culmination of award season it was more just like hey let's talk let's watch this and and just you know bullshit and make jokes and yeah that's kind of how the oscars are these days um but yeah as far as this this uh this year's Oscars. Yeah, it's... The ceremony itself just it, it is becoming exactly what I'm talking about. It's becoming kind of... More, it feels like a more intimate, less consequential affair. Like, it just... I don't know. Maybe it has to do with the host or a lack of host or whatever it is. But there's just... There's no bombast anymore. Like, I remember the days of Billy Crystal where he would, like, kick things off by, you know, this with this huge song with all the Best Picture winners in it. Uh, but Sorry, the Best Picture nominees in it. And, and you, you felt like you were watching a big spectacle. And that's definitely not the case with this year's, which was fine. Jimmy Kimmel was fine. He made some good jokes. And there were some... Uh, there are some good speeches, but, you know, at the end of it, I just kind of feel just bored. How did... Was there... There was no opening number? How did it start? Uh, it started with a, uh, a clip uh, from Top Gun, and it's like, oh, Jimmy Kimmel is in the, in the jet, and he's ejecting out of the jet to get to the Oscars. And then on the stage itself, you see him land... Uh, with like a parachute or at least the straps from a parachute and uh, then he starts talking okay <laughs> all right um, uh, yeah I've, I, I feel like I mean my hats off to Jimmy Kimmel just for continuing to accept this job because uh, there's no upside like everyone hates the every Oscar host I defend Jimmy Kimmel I think he's generally good at hosting the Oscars maybe when he's not 
making bad jokes about like hacky jokes about Mahershala Ali's name if you remember that one oh, yeah um, uh, yeah it was the year that he went they went to the movie theater and like got people and brought them in oh yeah and then he like was introducing famous people to, or regular folks I guess to famous people and he I can't remember he, but he said something about Mahershala Ali's name that was like what do you it's like a it's like a total like uh, Uncle Joe. I don't know. It's not even a joke. It's just like oh, what a name. Anyway, um, but I've always thought he was good at keeping the show going because of the simple fact that he has so much experience in live television. <laughs> um, you know, that's. I mean, I, I think that's a, a skill set that maybe is un, undervalued. You know, there's one thing to be an MC and to be um, uh, a, a comedian hosting an award show on a stage but he's playing the tv host yeah uh and i I always thought he was he was good at that yeah i mean you and i have and and other friends for years have talked about like what makes a good oscar host because there are good ones and there are bad ones and i do think that like a, a late night a late night talk show host if you're good at that like you you're probably going to be a pretty good oscar host as well with the exception i think of letterman who i think was all right but everyone talked about like oh man he's just he's just so sarcastic and he's not you know he's not sincere and it's like oh yeah that's right that was back when the oscars like took itself like very seriously and then they got a host who does not take anything seriously but uh but yeah i i think jimmy kimmel does a pretty good job and especially i mean when i think about like that uh la la land moonlight snafu i think he handled that like a champ i think he really managed to like take something that was you know, kind of scandalous as far as the Oscars go and really bring it together. Um, and, uh, you know, and I think this year, like, he, he made plenty of, you know, he made several jokes about the slap and, and all that, and uh, but not too many, I think. And I would hope not. I, I want to honestly, my number one reason for not wanting to watch this year was, like, I really just want to move on from that slap. I wanted to move on the next day. It's, I, I feel like I'm, living in crazy town it's it's unfortunate it's not that big a deal (laughs) well i mean it's kind of a big deal um and i did watch chris rock's uh new special knowing that he was probably going to talk about it and sure enough uh it's it's the last thing he talks about in the special and he has a couple interesting and and funny things to say about it but it was actually kind of disappointing i kept expecting him to have like a really uh, a really sharp punchline but he didn't um but yeah so the the ceremony this year was was fine i mean it did the job but uh and there are a couple speeches that i liked um i actually really liked jamie lee curtis's speech okay. for one big reason is that among the people that she thanked she thanked the people that like take genre movies seriously because you know that's what her career was built on for a long time yeah. and in being a, a critic and all that and being who being uh who we are yeah we do believe that genre movies deserve to be taken seriously just like everything else and i like that Jamie Lee Curtis is not ashamed of where she came from, and quite the opposite. I mean, she still embraces the Halloween franchise, and the fact that she 
you know, when she's awarded an Oscar, and genre movies really don't do that great at, at the Oscars, but, like, the fact that she took that opportunity to defend genre filmmaking in its own way, I thought was pretty great. Um, and so I liked her speech a lot. And then, of course, you know, Kiwei Kwong's speech was was touching and enthusiastic and you know he he actually said you know he talked about like his uh his his or his origins and being a, an immigrant and then talked about like you know all these years later i'm i'm here accepting an oscar and he said this is the american dream and you know i i i, I don't usually uh I don't usually give in to patriotism uh, that easily, despite being, uh, you know, a good old-fashioned conservative, but... Uh, you guys don't have the market cornered on patriotism. Oh. I'm a patriot, and I'm uh, as uh, pink as a grapefruit, maybe? <laughs> I'm a lefty, is what yeah, I'm saying. That's... Way far to the left, uh, uh, total, you know... Marxist fanboy, um, but I'm a I'm a patriot. I uh, believe in America. Uh, so anyway, I just sorry I had to interrupt you because I don't like that feeling that patriotism is the uh, uh, sole. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Has so that conservatives have sole proprietorship over patriotism. Well, and that's the thing is obviously I was kind of joking because what I will say is that conservatives are I think more likely to invoke. Uh, platitudes about patriotism and I think they're more likely to uh, say to, to reference the American dream like casually and like the fact like the idea that it's easily accomplished um, and so usually when someone says that you know it's like you know pulling you up by your bootstraps or any of these other terms that Con that fellow conservatives use that I listen to and I'm like come on guys you're not helping me um but at the same time when someone like Kiwei Kwong talks about his story at his, at the Oscars and he says this is the American dream like I welled up a little bit I thought it was really touching and then you know later on in the evening you know the nostalgia button was pushed for me because Harrison Ford presented best picture and they cut to Kiwei Kwong, yeah. and he's like so happy and just. And then when everything everywhere all at once won Best Picture, they went up there and Kiwei Kwong gave Harrison Ford a big hug, a big hug, and all that. And it's just, I don't know, stuff like that is is. I mean that stuff like that is like old school Oscars to me, and uh, and I really. I don't know. There, 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 there were a lot of speeches that I really liked. Michelle Yeoh's speech was was really touching. She talked about the idea that, like, if you're an older woman, like, there's no such thing as as like being past your prime. And and oh. uh, yeah, that was great. Well, that's specifically uh, Don Lemon. I don't know if you how keyed, uh, keyed in you are to what's going on, but Don Lemon said that Nikki Haley was past her prime because a woman's prime is in her 30s, maybe early 40s or something like that, and then had to apologize to a lot of people. Yeah, uh, I did not catch that until my uh, the, the friend that I was watching it with filled me in, and I was astonished that, anyone, that Don Lemon would say that. 
not the first time he said something really stupid. Well, that's for sure, yeah. Um, but, like, the idea of making broad generalizations about women, it's just like, wow, I really thought that people weren't doing that anymore. And then, of course, like, oh, but it's, you meant it. If you say it about a conservative woman, it's fine. See, we're getting political. Is Don Lemon not a conservative? I don't believe so. Okay, I guess I just, I don't watch CNN. I'm too cool. Look, no, I, uh, I read the news. I don't watch the I read the news. So I don't know these names, these personalities. Oh, so you mean like the thing at the bottom of CNN? <laughs> no, I think I just, there's a lot of notable, con- or like, notable conservative voices that only show up in my like worldview when they say something really stupid oh, sure. and so because don lemon has a history of saying really stupid shit i think in my head i'd gone oh he must be a conservative talking head a conservative pundit he is somebody that like he said enough stupid stuff that i am kind of amazed that he still has the job that he has um because it's just like come on guys like he's like your lead anchor and i feel like if this were like a network news show or something he wouldn't uh he wouldn't have his job anymore anyway that's neither here nor there um but yeah so but that that thing that michelle yo said like reference or not I, i i really like that she said it and um and yeah, and let's see, I'm trying to think what some, and Sarah Polly's uh, uh, speech was. What, what was. Yeah, what was it about? I just heard, that, that seemed to be the, the, the big takeaway on my version of film Twitter was that that was the best speech. Well, she, you know, a lot of it is she was referencing aspects of the movie, uh, which I have still sadly have not seen, um, but it sounds wonderful. Um, did you like Women Talk? Yeah, I liked it a lot. Yeah, a friend of the show, Jason Eakin, really, uh, really liked it, too, and, um... Uh, uh, Battleship Retention Editor-at-Large Scott and I, not a fan, because he, he he hates women, is the reason. Well, that's what I figured, and, I mean, the one thing he hates more than women is women talking. Um, you know, he, he's like, look, if you, if you have to be around, at least shut your trap. I've heard him say that to Julie a lot, it's really off-putting. Yeah, all the time. Um, but, uh... <laughs> that's so stupid um but yeah and so just the idea that that her movie is about people of very different philosophies like coming together and actually like talking and that that's the part of the speech that i liked um and uh and yeah and and just uh and then the daniels obviously the daniels went up there a couple of times and i thought both their speeches were really wonderful and and yeah uh the the event in general i thought was 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 solid i i and then there's the fact of just being glad for people like this was a year where there were a lot of narratives behind the scenes like like kiwi kwongs and and Obvious, obviously, Brendan Fraser's and and uh, and his speech was really good um, and very emotional. Um, and I I did watch the whale to get ready for the Oscars. And uh, like so many other people, I think his performance was really great and really found you know like the self hatred the the anger the sadness the loneliness but also the 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 desperate attempt to like find 
like real hope and human connection. Um, I think he did a great job. And I think a lot of the actors did a great job, but man, oh man, that movie, like, words like overwrought, like, aren't enough for what that movie is. It's just, it's so self-serious, and just, it's so, like, it's the kind of thing that, even if it didn't take place in one location, I would say, like, this is based on a play, because there's a very specific kind of dourness that you can find in theater uh, that that is just unique to that medium and and the film really captures that and so by the time it's over like you know I, I'll quote Jimmy Pardo and I'll say like boy who's winded like it's it's just an exhausting movie um, and I'm somebody you know like even when I don't like Darren Aronofsky I usually appreciate what he's doing like I really appreciated mother and this film feels like kind of a stylistic misfire I mean I I, I know that he's like dialing everything back for a reason but uh, but yeah the movie in general I just thought was unpleasant on on every level and also I'll be honest I think the makeup Aside, like, aside from Brendan Fraser's face and, like, hands, like, when he's walking around, I'm not joking, all I saw was Mr. Creosote from Monty Python's <laughs> Meaning of Life. I mean, I'm ast- I was astonished yeah. that it won Best Makeup, especially yeah. compared to something like The Batman. Yeah. Like, it, it was, like, when I saw him walking around in the movie, I was like, Look, I realize that when you're that overweight that you're, the weight can distribute itself in different ways, but yeah, like, just the way it looked didn't look realistic to me. Uh, it was sad at the end, though, when Brendan Fraser's character dies from eating one last uh, piece of dessert that's wafer thin. Yeah, oh, of course. And uh, and then there is there is that moment where the character throws up into a bucket, <laughs> well, a trash can, and I was just like, oh, man. Like between that and uh, and Triangle of Sadness, it was a good year for vo- for vomit. Um, uh, I have a question to someone who didn't watch the Oscars that I didn't even didn't even occur to me until you just said it. When they for original screenplay or director, when they read the names, did the person reading the names say the Oscar goes to Daniels or did they say Dan Quan and Daniel Scheinert? Um, I believe they said their full names. Okay. Yeah, because I think that, like, I mean, Daniels, I'm trying to remember how the credit appears in the movie. Because I know, like, Daniels is, like, their branding name, like, that's how they're branded. But I still think, even in the movie, they're credited as Dan Quan and Daniel Scheinert. I want to say. Listeners, let me know if I'm wrong. Yeah, I don't remember. I mean, I, I remember in Swiss Army Man, I think they're credited as Daniels or The Daniels. But I don't remember about everything everywhere all at once. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right about Swiss Army Man, I think. Now, as far as, you know, the fact that that movie won so much, I mean, I, I, I liked the movie way more than you did. I, I saw it in the theater. I'll admit that I was in the midst of a pretty, uh, pretty deep depression when I saw it, and just the tone of it was enough to, like, pull me out of that, and so, uh, so I think... I kind of had that association with it. I'm sure if I watched it again, I would see a lot of flaws and a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff about the Daniels that 
that I don't like. Um, well, and then again, I had the baggage of watching it after it was a pretty like strong awards contender, and I was watching it through that lens. As much as I try not to, you can't completely divorce yourself of that. Yeah, it's exactly. And and by the time I saw it, I think it was I think I saw it back in April or May, and uh, there was definitely a lot of buzz about it. Um, but not awards buzz, just critical buzz. And, uh, and I saw it cause I thought I should. And yeah, I wound up liking it quite a bit. And so the, f- and, and I think part of me, I'm always, whether I like the movie or, lot, or not, I'm always excited when the Oscars embrace a movie that's a little bit weird and doesn't seem like their kind of thing. Um, and, uh, and this definitely qualifies. And the fact that it was rewarded with, you know, three out of four acting Oscars, like, and screenplay and picture and, and director and editing. Like, I mean, they really embraced this this movie. And I feel like that that's really exciting. I mean, on one hand, everyone said like, oh, this is great for representation. And it's like, yeah, sure it is. But it's also great for weird filmmaking, which I'm always excited about. Yeah, uh... I'm I'm not going to pretend this is an original thought. This is a thing I've seen other people say about the the Academy and um, wondering if this is kind of like a a trend, like our idea of what the stereotypical best picture winner is, is itself out of date. And this is more in line, not because of the weirdness, but because you've got changes in the culture and changes in the academy that are more willing to highlight movies that they think have good values and so the 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 celebration of everything everywhere all at once isn't like how weird it is it's about this is a movie whose messaging i can ultimately get behind yeah and being someone who's seen a lot of christian movies uh i'm usually not in favor of that thinking neither am i but uh but yeah, th- but that's the thing is like, if it's a weird movie that has the right values, it's like, it, the way I look at it, like that means that more people will be willing to green light a movie that's weird. And yeah, maybe for the wrong reasons, but whatever, that's fine. Like any, any opportunity, anytime that like offbeat filmmaking is championed for whatever reason, like, I usually think that's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, um, I uh, again, that wasn't my speculation or something I'd seen, but it resonated with me because maybe the Christian film community was ahead of the curve on this, but it seems like in general there is more of a tendency these days to celebrate movies or TV, just storytelling that reflects the viewer's best idea of themselves back at them. <laughs> Boy, oh boy, I think that is the first time anyone has ever described Christian filmmaking as ahead of the curve. (laughs) Um, I just want to uh, ask you, uh, you talked about representation, and it reminded me, Michelle Yeoh won, Mm -hmm. and one of the two presenters was Holly Berry, the last non-white woman to win in that category. Yeah. and uh, I saw some people saying, like, oh, this would have been an, embarrass- an embarrassing for the Academy if it had been Kate Blanchett. But I don't think, like, Holly Berry is still, like, an Oscar-winning actress. She still, like, absolutely deserves to be presenting awards. I don't think it would have been as embarrassing as 
the Chadwick Boseman thing where they literally changed the order of the Oscars yeah. to end with best, best actor, actor and then the guy who won wasn't even there and then the show just ended and then David never watched the Oscars again. Um, or, that was embarrassing. But this, if Kate Blanchett had won or I uh, keep drawing a blank on who else was nominated for lead this year, uh, Andrea Riseboro. Um, uh, why now I'm trying to think of all the Michelle Williams. Right, I wouldn't. I didn't think about that because she's not the lead of the movie. But okay. Right, um, and then I can't think of who uh, who the last one is. Oh boy. So you got Kate, Michelle, Michelle, and Andrea. Whom are we missing? Well, oh, Anadarmus. First off, when you just start naming them like by their first names, it just sounds like a group of girls in high school I wouldn't like. <laughs> Wait, Michelle Y? No, <laughs> Michelle W. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's perfect. Um, yeah, uh, or you know, like that one time when uh, Martin Scorsese won for The Departed and it was presented by Francis Ford Coppola, Steven Spielberg, and George Lucas. Like if I forgot that, Coppola was there too. Yeah, like if that had gone to say Paul Greengrass, it's like, oh, this is not what we anticipated. But it's to me that's still not an embarrassment. Paul Greengrass gets to go shake hands with some great filmmakers. It doesn't oh, seem like it's embarrassing to me. Well, it, it's embarrassing just because it's obvious what they're what what they were planning. You know, same with the Chadwick Boseman thing. Um, but that, I mean, they built the whole ceremony around that, and and. It's just so sad because he was gone, and so, like, to, to see it as, like, oh, obviously we're going to honor this guy. Oh, shit, we're not? Oh, shit, the guy we are going to honor isn't here? Oh, boy. All right, bye, everyone. Yeah, that was pretty rough. Yeah. Um, uh, well, now I forgot what I was going to say about that. I had something to say about that, and I forgot what it was. Yeah. Um, oh, damn, that's going to bug me. But yeah, uh, but I agree with you. I, you know, having two past Best Actress winners and and one of them being Halle Berry, like, and and to act as though like, oh my, how embarrassing! I feel like that's, I think that's inherently wrong-headed. Um, I remember what I was gonna say, uh, which is the only like upside about that Chadwick Boseman debacle. Uh, not that he didn't do anything wrong, but the, that Best Actor debacle that year um, was it did prove that the Academy really doesn't know who's going to win until the the, the the envelope gets opened. Uh, yeah, that's true. It's, uh, you know, so many people talk about, like, oh, the... Like, I, I heard that the La La Land thing was staged. Not many people said that, but I heard that a little bit at first. And then, you know, people said that the Will Smith slap was staged and all that. And it's like, yeah, well, when you when you get to that Chadwick Boseman thing, like, you know that, yeah, the, the Oscar is still, there's, there's still some element of uh, unpredictability there. And uh, it's unfortunate that that's how we had to learn it, but yeah. That, I will say the Will Smith slap. So last year I was at Bar Trivia with my wife. My mom texted me like, oh my God, Will Smith just slapped Chris Rock. So I, like I said, the Oscars are on the TV with the sound off. So I turned around and they were replaying it. Yeah. Or maybe it was later that night and it was on the news. Maybe that's what it was. Because I don't think the Oscars would have replayed it. They don't do replays. No. Um, yes, it must have been after it ended. Because for listeners who aren't on the 
west coast like the oscars end early <laughs> you know they're over at like 8 15 or whatever so i'm still at bar trivia that's what it was and the news was showing it and so with the sound off and not seeing any of the context it did kind of look fake to me because chris rock's physical reaction is so like stagey like yeah. he, he like fully just like turns and like is his mouth is open like oh like it i thought it was a joke a bit Oh, I mean, I remember, so I was watching it with Jen and Jason, and that happened, and I thought it was like Will Smith going up and being funny and doing a fake slap, and I thought, and I literally said to to them, like, that was a good stage slap, like, I, I said, and then it wasn't until he started yelling stuff from the, from the audience, that I was like, oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. I think there's a reason that it was so realistic. Oh shit! Yeah. Um, but yeah, we. Uh, it, it, I mean, it was a fine ceremony, but it's it, it's indicative of everything that 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 I've been thinking about the Oscars the last few weeks, which is uh, sorry, the last few years, which is that like yeah, it's it's fun and it's good to see people get get awarded and all that sort of thing but uh in the end like it just is becoming less and less consequential uh well we uh have been told we have to wrap up because you're uh on this facility schedule i guess so um do you have any final thoughts or that, that actually kind of was final thoughts wasn't it that was i think pretty uh pretty well stated so um you can find us at battleshippretension.com uh you can email us at david at battleshippretension.com i guess tyler at battleshippretension.com he's i don't think he's checking it but uh, uh you can follow me on twitter at davy pretension tyler's at tyler pretension hey go uh look at the gofundme for tyler it's uh there's a post pinned to the top of the homepage at battleshippretension.com um if the website fucking works having some problems lately um but uh yeah find the gofundme it would definitely definitely help out uh and um uh tyler this was a blast to do this again we're gonna uh, try to keep doing this at least once a month i think yeah absolutely i enjoyed it quite a bit um and i will say that while i don't check my email i do check facebook and twitter so if you do have anything you want to say to me you're welcome to to at me on Twitter or or uh, send me a message on Facebook. I love hearing from the listeners. You guys have been so so supportive of me, and and, and you know I I, I have uh, I have plenty of dark days, and getting getting encouragement and getting uh, just any messages from you guys really is is a pick me up. So yeah, you 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 can get me on those on uh, Twitter and Facebook uh well with that said thank you for listening we'll get you next time bye bye